This is the moment many wait for. The most entertaining. A man of wisdom. A man of experience, Dave. The most informative. To bring light to a dark subject. To bring positivity to a negative world. The incredible Paul Moyer. Incredible indeed. Some refer to him as an opening act. I would never, ever say such a thing. I call this man a co-headliner, by God. Co-headliner along with uh, Seahawks GM John Schneider, who will join us at four. But the one and only Paul Moyer joins us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. I would never call you an opening act. I can't speak for Dave Wyman. I wouldn't say that, Paul. I have no problem being the opening act. At least I have an act. Okay, so I, oh. I feel good about it. Um, I, actually, I, again, I'm excited to to warm it up for for John because uh, your show last week was great. You got a lot of good insight there. Well, a lot of it was because of you, Paul. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you, Dave. <laughs> hey, hey I, just, I, just, the... I just read Bobby Wagner and the Rams are parting ways. Yeah, I mean, how about that? Popped up there. How about um, that? Yeah. That's a, that look, I mean, I, I, I truly hope he retires. I really do. I mean, there's a point where, you know, I don't want to diminish his, his great record and, and who he is as a player. And I, I really believe you just can't have your middle linebacker play the way he plays now and, and have a really successful defense. Um, right. And so look, he's had a great career, man. I'm, I'm hopefully that uh, he, he moves on, but we'll see. Sounds like the Rams probably feel the same way, obviously. They, I didn't realize his contract was that long reading the story. He signed a five-year deal with the Rams. And we know, you know, that doesn't mean much in the NFL because it's not all guaranteed and, you know, all that good stuff. But, yeah, interesting to see the year he had, and they they elected to say, yeah, this isn't going to work out for us. Yeah. Hey, Paul. His, me... his, con- his contract, I-, I will give him credit, he – he worked a great contract. Uh, he almost got two years of it guaranteed, and he only has to play one. So uh, well done on, on that part. Yeah, and he's saving the 3% or whatever for an agent, but he has done a good job. I mean, he was making twice as much as Levante David, you know, and they're playing at pretty much the same level. How do you, how do you square him, Paul? Like, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's a great leader. He never – he was Mr. Seahawk. You put him out there. You know, and early on, I used to get annoyed by him slipping blocks. But then, you know, that but that's okay because it's kind of like the cost of doing business. Like, a, a, you know, Michael Bennett jumping off sides. Okay, that's fine. You know, every once in a while, you, you do that. Um, to me, the, you know, slipping a block on the backside is like throwing a change up. You know, you don't you don't do that all the time. Obviously, you you throw you throw the change up as you know, sort of a mix it up. You don't you don't do it every. You have to set it up. You know, all that stuff. And then you know, just the way he played in the last couple of years here, where you know, there's some spectacular plays, but then there were so many where I was like, what's he doing? Why is he catching that block? And why is he going backwards? And what? You know, and I, I just have had a hard time sort of squaring all of that. What, you know, and I, what do you think, Paul? How, how would you say that, that you saw Bobby, you know, what you saw the last couple of years here from him? Well, I, I think the first part is, look, Bobby was a great player. Yeah. <laughs> You're not yeah. always going to be a great player. There's a time, and and I think what's hard, and it, it happens to some players, it's it's less today than it used to be and that you used to be forced out of the league. Nowadays, they make so much money, 
you know, they kind of see the writing on the wall and, and most of them will walk away and retire. Um, look, Bobby just hasn't. He, Bobby still believes he's one of the best linebackers in the league. And, um, you know, again, I said athletically and strength-wise, he still has that ability. It's just it, there's a want to. This game is a physical game, and your middle linebacker has to be one of your top two most physical guys on the team. And I just I, – the way he plays the game, I don't believe you can have a dominant defense if you're not smash-mouthing guards and beating them to the hole and all that stuff. So, Dave, it's just, it's just father time on him. He used to be able to slip, slip a block or come underneath it and be able to make the play. He can't do that anymore. And so, to me, it's just it, – it's not that he's a bad player. He's just – he doesn't warrant that kind of money anymore, and I think he'll have a hard time finding anybody to pick him up for, you know, eight, ten million bucks a year. Hey, we had uh, we had KJ in studio yesterday. It was really, really cool to talk to him. We hit a bunch of different things with him. Um, but he, we were talking about the three. We were talking about defense, obviously, in the 3-4 versus the 4-3 in, in all of that. And, and he, he felt like we just didn't have the – the Seahawks didn't have the personnel to run the 3-4 the way they wanted to. And he was talking about, you know, you need more guys like Al Woods, and you only there's only one Al Woods, and he's 36 years old. And I asked Dave this, and I'm curious from your perspective, who fits that's currently on this roster? Who do you look at on this roster on defense and say, you can move forward in a 3-4 situation with this guy, this guy, this guy, or do you look at it and go, man, these – Puna doesn't fit a 3-4. Maybe Quentin Jefferson doesn't fit a 3. They need to adjust uh, the linebacker. I mean, how do you see it? Ah, that's a really good question. Um, We don't have a superstar in that group. I think we have a a lot of good players. um, And if you rotate them around, you got enough depth. You can probably get away with it. But you know, to be a, a really good three, four, I mean, obviously Aaron Donald, you, you'd love to find those guys all day. Cause they demand a double team demand. You, you cannot not double that guy, which frees up your, your linebackers. Uh, we don't have that guy where they say, Oh, we got to take care of that guy or else. And again, it could, 90% of the time it can be fine. Uh, it, but that 10%, it, it wears you out, which we saw this last year. We also don't have a guy in inside that is a legit pass rusher that can push the pocket into the quarterback so that, you know, your edge rushers, or there's, so there's nowhere to escape. Um, and if you've got edge rushers that go wide and there's no push up the middle, you know, it's, it's easy for a quarterback to buy time or step in the pocket. We don't have that guy. There are some guys in the draft. Uh, there's, there's a kid from Pitt that, uh, that I think is Kalijah Kansi. I just got done watching him. Holy Toledo. I want one of those. His, <laughs> he is explosive. He is, he's electric. He's underside. I mean, he's six foot. I don't know how big he is. Two eighty, two ninety. Actually, he looks like a pretty athletic linebacker playing, you know, defensive tackle. He, he played uh, kind of in the B gap most of the time for, for Pitt, but you could line him up anywhere and he will give people fits. I think that's going to be a, interesting to see what people think. How does he handle 340 pounds, six foot five guys? Uh, because he's, he is, he's not that tall, but wow, his motor and his explosiveness, it's, it is fun to watch. So, so there's some guys there. And if you want to be a legit three, four defense, you've got to have that guy that everybody says, that's the guy I'm game planning on, and we just don't have that guy right now. Hey, Paul, uh, you and I did a thing before um, 
before Christmas where we went to uh, like a retirement home and, you know, you were talking a little bit about, you know, what, what you would like to see, what, what's the ideal scenario for the Seahawks in the draft with, with the number five pick I was saying yesterday, desperation from, from those who are picking after you, right? If, if there's a desperate situation, the Seahawks could possibly really cash in on that. If somebody really, really needs a quarterback, what, what do you yeah. think is is ideal? Just stay well, put. I think that would. I think. I think that. Well, I I, I really got to rely on John there. I watched the kid from Pitt. You know, I never even heard of the guy before, and I went, "Wow!" I go, uh, "The kid from Georgia, Carter. He's so much bigger. He's so much stronger. He's a completely different football player." And so, to me, it's John going, "All right, what's the difference between those guys?" You know, if I could get another second round pick or you know, just move back in the draft just a bit, you know, and, and trade and get the people we want. Uh, look, we, we have holes to fill. So to me, that top five pick, man, he better be the absolute guy you want. And he's got to be just an, a stud from day one. And if he's, if not that big of a difference, if the, you get to five of all the guys you want on defense aren't there, you know, I think you trade back and, and still pick up. There, there's so many good football players I'm watching right now. I mean, that kid from Alabama, the safety. Again, I don't know if we need a safety, but God, there's some good players out there. So to me, the ideal situation is, hey, I'm sitting at five, and if things fall properly and you happen to get Carter, who you know maybe he's that, that freak guy that you're, you're hoping for. But if not, you move back, and there, there's a lot of really talented uh, football players in that th- this, this draft coming up. You know, when Dave said you guys were at a retirement home together, people were thinking mm. something else. Oh, hey, now. <laughs> we're planning. Hey, <laughs> you, were, you were looking for lodging. You were looking for future exactly. residence. <laughs> but, hey, Dave and I are going to share a room. That's right. Oh. <laughs> you guys are going to have bunk beds. It's yeah, gonna be there'll Dave's be so much room for activities. activities. <laughs> yes. hey, hey, Paul, as, as far as uh, some of the free agents out there, we've talked about Deron Payne and, and um, uh, Hargrave. Yeah, Javon uh, Hargrave. Javon Hargrave. Who, again, going back to the, what KJ was talking about with this three-four defense, do they fit? Are those guys you look at and go, yeah, they they fit that system, or are they more suited for a four-three? Or who's who's out there that's maybe caught your eye? You think fits what the Seahawks are trying to do defensively? Yeah, I, you know, it's it was interesting because I was going through the, the all the free agents. And nobody's jumping out at me that says, oh, my gosh, that guy is so much better. Well, there are. But, you know, now we're, we're talking about some huge, huge dollars along the way. Um, I think you're going to have to do it. I think to go get the guy you really want, the, the, the bona fide potential superstar guy, I think you're going to have to get it in the draft. Um, the other guys are, again, they're going to fill in. They're going to be, you know, more depth for us along the way. Um, look, we had some guys who were injured last year too, you know, still some young guys, you know, I mean, Robinson, you know, he's more of an edge rusher, you know, would like to see him come back healthy. Uh, that can add some depth. I, look, Al Woods, he's a young 36 year old to me just cause he took a year off. And I'm only saying that cause I'm trying to make a case that when he is healthy, he's, he's a handful for centers because he's so strong and he can bull rush guys back there. You put a quick edge again, the kid from Pitt. I'm just, he's on my brain right now, just cause I got done watching him. Um, wow. Uh, again, now, now we got some stuff going on and that's again, I, I we need a quick 
twitch guy that can actually get to the quarterback. And that's to me the best guy. And I don't know if there's a free agent right now in our payroll that would duplicate that. It, just to irritate you, Paul, uh, we yeah. had K.J. Wright on yesterday, and he said that Brock Purdy could have taken the 49ers. Well, let, yeah, we got the cut. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, 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 let's hear that. The salary cap-wise, when you do pay the kind of money, it shrinks what you can do as a team. So let me pay guys that I know they can do it, that I can trust to do it, versus putting all these eggs in one basket. The, the Niners are the prime example. Mm-hmm. You saw they had guys surrounded by Brock Purdy. He's a rookie quarterback. Just come here and don't mess it up. Yeah. And if he didn't if he didn't get injured, we're probably talking about them being the Super Bowl champions right now. And so um that's my thing with quarterbacks. Like if I if I don't necessarily believe in this guy, if I can't necessarily think that he can get me to the promised land, I don't want to just put all of this into this position and limit myself in other moves. Man, did he is that what he said? Did he say if Brock Purdy didn't get hurt, we'd be talking about the Super Bowl champion 49ers? Was that I I couldn't quite hear it all, Paul. Is that what he said? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I don't get my information from KJ. Um, look, I, I'm not saying that, and, and, I, and I'll direct, I'm not saying that the 49ers wouldn't have won the Super Bowl. I think, uh, you know, I've talked about both sides of the ball from offensive linemen, defensive linemen. They didn't have a weakness on defense. They didn't, they don't need their quarterback to do much, but you know how hard that is to get? I mean, that, that is building, we had that in 2012 and 13. You know, and and 14 to an extent, but that doesn't last long. You know, those guys start getting paid and you start breaking down the team. At some point, you need a quarterback to actually go win a game. I don't believe Purdy's that guy. I think Purdy, you put in a great system. He, you saw what he did. He did a nice job for the 49ers. Um, but uh, and and I, there's ways to build a team. You don't have to have a Patrick Mahomes every single year to win a Super Bowl. Those are rare. He's with the first one to win on a a max type of contract, I believe. Um, you know, in the in the Super Bowl era. So. Uh, that part, you're right. KJ's absolutely right. If you can surround your team with unbelievable players, yeah. but well, you know, you got to have somebody who can make plays too. But that's kind of the case with you know, like we were talking about. You know, is Patrick Mahomes the kind of guy that can take you to a Super Bowl and win it? Yes, absolutely he is. But mm-hmm. if you put a crappy offensive line in front of him, and you know, but I mean, what do you think? What do you think, Gino? needs in order to be or do you think that he's a guy that could take you to a Super Bowl and win it I do I the, the after watching him for a year you know to me his strengths are they're they're a bunch I mean the one that pops off is he is unbelievably accurate quarterback and he can throw it in tight tight windows the receivers don't have to extend their hands very far outside their body I mean it it is thrown to them a little bit of weakness is when he feels gut pressure. And most quarterbacks are that way. He he has tendency to throw off his back foot and he throws high, particularly over the middle. And that's where he, he got in trouble a bunch this year. And then at times when he feels that gut pressure, he immediately, you know, will try to escape also. And sometimes he does that little 360 circle escape thing that doesn't work out all, all that often. Um, so to me, yes, he's a quarterback and can lead, a good football team to the Super Bowl, and if we can pr- just get a little bit of strength, you know, up the middle, and I, I really believe center is is a big part for us this year, and you know, maybe improve at guard too. Uh, I think that helps him out immensely. Yeah, I was telling Dave, you know, we were talking about Gino before, and then sort of answering that question, uh, we asked KJ whether he thought Gino could win a win a Super Bowl for this team, and it was kind of a 
I wouldn't say unenthusiastic, but it was kind of a yes. Like, it, he wasn't full-throated. He didn't say it with his chest, as the kids like to say. Uh, but I, I I told Dave, and I'm curious about your take on this. My fear with Gino is, is not – we saw what he could do. It was a tremendous year, not taking anything from him. There was a different story attached to him prior to this season, and what I fear is Blake Bortles. What I fear is Joe Flacco. Those are two guys that, that put up big – Big years, and in Flacco's case, takes them to the Super Bowl. They don't win, but he he you know signs both signed huge deals after these years, and then they weren't that guy anymore for whatever reason. Maybe it wasn't their fault. Maybe pieces around them started to you know disappear, get hurt, leave what what have you. But it just it didn't sustain, and I think that for me is my biggest question or maybe concern about Gino. Like, yes, brilliant year. Is that going to be who he is moving forward, or is there a chance it becomes? like Bortles, like Flacco, guys who had that year that everybody got excited, gave him the deal, and it just didn't end up being that person. Yeah, I think from a negotiation standpoint, I'm certainly using that. Um, it's only been one year. You know, you, we there's got to be a lot of incentives built into a contract, and, you know, I'm sure they're going to use all of that as they're trying to sign him. But there's something different about Gino than those guys. Those guys never wowed me. I just said, oh, they had a good year and they won. Gino is exceptionally, like, off the charts accurate with his throwing. And he's very smart. He does make really quick decisions. So I just go a full year at 70% completion percentage. Do you think we had a dominant offensive line? We had two rookie tackles, and our weakness was in the middle, right? <laughs> and so I'm just saying I thought he did – pretty good give him even some more help along the way um give him another year with you know dk and tyler and the tight ends and uh with our running back i i, I see him actually i don't want to say he may necessarily have a higher completion percentage next year but he could but i don't think this is fake i i really think that uh he has this to sustain for the next few years yeah, I think I think that's you're right. We haven't made maybe a big enough deal about his accuracy. That was pretty pretty. Ma- hey, we we only got a couple minutes, Paul. Uh, but I want to ask you, put you on the spot here. If you're coaching Jared Kelnick, what do you what do you do? What could you instill in him, like Pete Carroll does to his players, that would put him over the top or get him, you know, as a big league player. Like Bob and I were talking, I mean, if it's just 250 or 240 average, that would be, that'd be fantastic. What would you, what do you think, uh, you, you were a coach, what do you see in him? Well, I think one thing they've done, and if I was coaching him, I would say, hey, here's what we know statistically from you. When you barrel the ball or when you actually make contact, your home run rate's pretty high. And it is. I mean, what he has, 21 home runs and, you know, 140-some games or whatever it was. Um, it, it's there. If we can get you just to make contact. So I, I'm, I'm less concerned about his average, though I think it's going to be improved. I'm really hoping all the stuff we're reading and the people who have seen him, it really actually is true. Because I don't think we need him to hit even 250. I'll take 230. I mean, look, the guy's batting 160 or something. It's the lowest pretty much in history or second lowest in history for the amount of games he's played. Um, you know, so there, there doesn't take much to get that improved, but give me two twenty, 
hit me 20 bombs, play fantastic defense. I don't need you to be the star. And I feel that's where he is right now and the stuff he's working on. We also have Pollock in left field that is, you know, fantastic against left-handed pitchers and he's not bad against right. So we, we have an out there. So to me, there's just no pressure. And I'd say, just focus on your strengths. Let's not worry about the other stuff, man. Just take care of the process. Uh, people texting. I didn't realize I said he didn't. I meant he won a Super Bowl, signed a big contract. Talking about Joe Flacco. I guess I guess I said he didn't yeah. win a Super Bowl. I, mis- uh. I misspoke. I know he won along with Trent Dilfer uh, for the Ravens. Uh, but moving on from that quickly, Paul, can you tell me what a 3-4 stick front is? Uh, no, uh, stick, uh, <laughs> is that, that's, what, that's the right is. name, right? Yeah. KJ texted me, uh, that it's kind of like a bear front, you know, you got two, three oh, techniques, okay. you got a guy on the nose and then you got your outside linebackers lined up wide. So. Yeah. He used that terminology just, I'm yesterday. To use, I'm trying to use the acronyms. I mean, it's, it's really like a, a new, it's a language everywhere you go. You know yeah. I mean? Somebody runs, you know, a fade route, a go route, you know, a nine. I mean, everybody has different terminology for it. But, uh, right. yeah, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, there's but I, no, like, standardized, you know, dictionary for, like, when I went to, I always tell this story, when I went to Denver, split backs, eye backs, you know, we called it king and queen when they were, the fullback was offset to, you know, weak side or strong. And I go to Denver and they're like, well, we call that orange. Oh, that one's blue. I'm like, it's split. They're split. Why don't you just call it split? It looks like an eye. Call it eye. Yeah, it's it's. I, it's not like everybody has speaks the same language. I, I just enjoy when the football player throws out terminology, and I can look at, at you or Paul, and you have the same look on your face that I do. Like I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, in the younger generation, I'll listen to like Bump and some of those guys, and I go, "What is that?" And I go, "Oh, all right, that's just a whip route, you know, you know." But yeah, there's right, acronyms right. and things like that, and yeah. you know, there's not much you can do. That's for sure. Paul, as always, great stuff. You were a hell of a co-headliner, by God. You did a great job. All we, right. we appreciate it. We'll do it again next I, week. I appreciate it. I'm going to go into my dark cave now for a few days. Tell John <laughs> Schneider I said hello. You can call me if he needs help. Paul, you don't come out of that room until next Thursday when you come back on the show. <laughs> He's going to have all the answers. I'm going to do it. I'm hey, gone. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Right. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, guys. There you go. There's Paul Moyer with us every single week. If you missed any of that conversation, it will be available for you on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Coming up, MLB Network released their list of uh, top 100 players in baseball. And the Mariners are well represented. We'll get into some of what they thought were their top 100. Coming up, it's Wyman and Bob live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks to Paul Moyer, who joined us in the previous segment. In case you guys are just tuning in, you can find that conversation on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Really good stuff from him. And then, of course, we're out here at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center for the John Schneider Show, which will happen at 4 o'clock. So stay tuned for our conversation with the Seahawks GM coming your way. But I saw this last night, Dave, that MLB Network is doing their list of top 100 players in baseball. And they the top ten have yet to be released. Those those will get re- oh, released boy. later today. Great. Are they going <laughs> to wait till the very end at six o'clock? Like when Lefko has to sit there and probably count the thing down. Yeah, and... he'll be he'll be waiting. We're going off the air. They haven't announced number one, and Brian Kinney is still talking. So yeah. <laughs> something like that. Uh, but uh, I was looking at the list and. 
got a couple of players on there. You got a few players. You've got Teoscar Hernandez. You got Luis Castillo, but the highest ranking Mariner, as unless there's one in the top ten we're not aware of, is Julio Rodriguez coming in at number sixteen. How about that? You know who he's ahead of? Jose Altuve. You know who else? Alec Bregman. Nice. That makes me happy. Yes. I don't care if he was number 98 and they were 99 and 100. They, <laughs> they can all rot in hell yeah, that's for all exactly I care. Right. No, but he's, he's a, it's amazing when you look at the list. He's ahead of some, some very established players out there that, that have, a, have a, you know, a resume and a history in this league. So it was, it was kind of cool to see. And I, I sent out a tweet last night just asking people, hey, is you know, retweeting that, that he's number 16. And just, is that too high? Is that too low? Just about right? Just trying to get people's feelings about that. And most people, for and you can find it uh, at Bob Stelton on Twitter, but most people seem to be, yeah, one year under his belt, that's about right. If he continues at this pace, obviously that changes, but that's kind of the reaction I had. I saw it, and I was like, hmm, yeah, I guess that's about right. It was actually a little higher than I thought they would yeah, put Yeah, I thought so, too. Just based on the lack of history there, but. Right. I mean, he's done it one year. I think if you're a Mariner hater, probably a Houston Astro fan, yeah. uh, you're, you're probably thinking, what, that kid's only doing it. He could be a bust. So, yeah, I thought that was, you know, I, and, and the whole thing started really, I thought, with the All-Star game and the home run derby. But, um, but yeah, I, that, that, I thought that was cool. And also I saw, like, Luis Castillo was in, like, the 60s. Um, you had uh, Ty France at number 89. I thought that was that was kind of encouraging. I mean, you look it's it's going to be if you know it's distributed evenly. What about three players? Uh, yeah, per, per Lu- team. Luis was at sixty-seven. Yeah, I think he was the next highest one. And then Teoscar, where was he? Teoscar is nine, number eighty-three. Yeah, and I think uh, eighty-nine is uh, is Ty France. So Did you say something, Lefko? I couldn't hear. No. Oh. It's on the sheet. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm looking. I'm going at the through actual, the list. I'm looking at the actual link because I just wanted to see where some of the other. What's interesting is is with Julio at number sixteen, uh, right behind him. See that name? Number seventeen is Bryce Harper. How about that? Ahead of Bryce Harper. Uh, I I really like I'm, Bryce Harper. So do I. Too, I mean, they got okay. him. A, that's that's that's. I mean, this is all subjective. This is, you know, this is what it's for to get conversation. I'm sure if I'm out there in Philadelphia right now, I'm going, huh? Yeah. This guy's this guy's been a stud for a number of years. This guy's, you know. Well, did, and did Julio miss any games? Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he had the back thing, remember? Right around the All-Star. Did he have a wrist? Was it his wrist after the home run derby? And then later he had yeah, kind I of thought... tight back. So, yeah. Yeah. He missed a couple. But missed... Bryce Harper didn't play in every game. I mean, he got hurt. Uh, yeah, so he's, but they show the previous rank. He was number five last year, Bryce Harper, uh, on the 2022 list. Yeah. Just my question would be just in general, are you happy with the list that you've, I mean, we had the top 10 list for every position that came out from MLB network and they had Colton Wong, right? Uh, I think Teoscar Hernandez was on that one. Was it Colton? Was Colton Wong or no? Yes, he was. And then Teoscar was. Did you? A lot of people. Cal Raleigh didn't make it. A lot of people had Cal on their list, but he didn't end up making it. Yeah. And then uh, who you else? Know. Obviously Julio. Yeah, you had Julio. I think it was it uh, Andres Munoz. Oh, Munoz, Munoz, that's right. Yeah, he's not a starting pitcher. No Luis Castillo. Yeah, no Luis Castillo. I thought that was kind of kind of weird. But yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, I've been pretty happy. I feel like I, I think in Seattle, 
you, you kind of think you get screwed. I, I feel like that's kind of the mentality. Well, they did in the here. NFL awards. Yeah, they did. And we got screwed by the refs in Super Bowl Forty. I feel like, you know, everybody <laughs> here in Seattle, it's kind of a cultural thing that you kind of hang on to that stuff a little bit. But I would say that most Mariner fans, I would think, are pretty happy with these lists that have come out. Yeah. I'm I getting mean, some mad respect. Mad, like mad, say, <laughs> mad props, Dave. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, they are. They certainly are. They certainly are. Yeah, the, the football rookies, you know, offensive rookie of the year. Mm, no. Uh, not so happy with how those turned out. Garrett Wilson winning over Garrett Wilson over yeah. Ken Walker. Nah, this, the Sauce Gardner thing is I'm starting to soften on because I, still, I think it was John Schneider that said that maybe he was the best corner in the league last year. Still would have given it to Hutchinson, but whatever. Anyway, but would, I, looking at this list, you guys can find it at, at MLB.com. They've got the list, and as as we said, they'll unveil the top ten. Uh, later on today, but just seeing some of the names behind Julio is just interesting to me. You got you got two Astros and a former Astro all in a row. So at number twenty two, you've got Carlos Correa. At number twenty three, you've got Jose Altuve. At number twenty four, you've got Alex Bregman. I think that's interesting. They've got those three guys right in a row. But I mean, you know, he he's ahead of Francisco Lindor. He's ahead of uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. He's ahead of. Uh, JT Rio Muto, Vlad uh, Guerrero Jr. He's, it's just, it's he's getting a, and again being ahead of Bryce Harper. That's, that's pretty, pretty respectful list. That's a pretty, that's showing him a lot of respect, I should say, and you know for a guy who's got one year under his belt versus some of these guys. But that's you're you're seeing the you're seeing the national perception of this team. Yeah, you know who needs to be on this list next year, Jared Kelnick. Let's slow down. You know what, though? <laughs> Honestly, what Moyer said I thought was interesting because he, he's right. You don't need – he doesn't need to be batting 300 and – but, like, what did he say? Give me uh, – 240. Two, I thought he said 220. He said, give me 220 and, you know – Did he say 220? Maybe – but he, he said something like 25 home runs or yeah. something. And, yeah, he doesn't have to be a huge hero or anything, but just – you know, see some some power out of him. Like I said, maybe the shift going away will will help his confidence a little bit. He just needs to string some stuff together, and yeah, then just don't be that hole in the lineup like we talked about. Just right. don't be that guy. One one uh, one more on this before we move on. Chris Young from MLB Network with a thought on on Julio and where he's probably going to end up. I feel like Julio is well on his way to being one of the top five best players in the game if we look at his season last year what a year by the way but in april i mean he got the rookie treatment from the umpires in april i mean you're talking about 10 punch outs in april to where there were pitches out of the zone but he was able to keep his composure which is what separates this young guy from the majority of gun guys normally you get all up in arms about the bad calls he stayed within himself and he trusted his game and he was able to go out there and have an absolutely amazing season yeah he's right he kept his composure, which was uh, we didn't as fans. We're out here screaming bloody murder. He's the one in the box, kind of just owning, wearing it, except for the one time. Remember, he drew the line in the box in Baltimore. The, yeah, he got ejected. <laughs> I uh, liked that. Come yeah. on, give me. He, he that was all he did. All yeah. the frustration. I was listening to Dave Sims on the way in. He was on with Bump and Stacy, and you know he was talking about. Somebody said, I, I think Bump asked him about his composure. He's like, hell yeah, he's composed. I mean, look at all the stuff he was he was getting screwed by the umps. Yeah. 
You know, yeah, and, as a young guy, yeah, it'd be very easy to lose your cool and be like, man, you, give me a chance. This is my first time up here. You're killing me. Yeah, and all he did was just draw a line <laughs> yeah. uh, up there in the box. Maybe he muttered something it's we a, didn't see. Yeah, that might have been. Could have used a magic word or two. He should have said knows? it in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> all right, coming up, uh, Geno Smith is getting high praise from around the NFL. We'll break down what it means for the Seahawks. Coming up, it's Wyman and Bob live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up at the top of the hour, the John Schneider Show. Get ready. Get prepped, everybody. It's coming your way here in a little less than 15 minutes as we continue live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. It is Wyman and Bob. Uh, we went through that list of – there are a couple of lists out there that I always find interesting just to get a national perspective on what we've got going on here in Seattle. And we talked about uh, the list of top 100 uh, baseball players according to MLB.com. And then there was another list that I, that I sent you guys that was from um, Yahoo, Yahoo Sports, which I thought was really interesting. It's ranking the NFL's top 32 quarterbacks before 2023 free agency and draft. So it's just – you know they went they went through the the they start at the bottom dave that's how most people do it they start at the bottom and count up uh before unveiling number 1 really but, that's weird but, but uh what i found very interesting is the the last name so they go top 32 quarterbacks do you see who's at number 32 yeah i know your favorite player <laughs> James I, and Winston. that's the only reason you sent this because this guy agrees with me <laughs> i went amen brother who wrote this this is yeah. a smart man this uh who is this nick don't even know nick who he goss is. Just that. know he's smart. Uh, so he's, they've got Jameis Winston at number 32, Teddy Bridgewater at 31, Trey Lance at 30, which I guess I get because he hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, uh, he hasn't haven't seen anything. It's amazing they've got Marcus Mariota and Jacoby Brissett ahead of those guys. But you can yeah. keep going up the list and, and you know, see see what you agree with, what you don't agree with. But uh, the, the other part of this that was of interest is at number 13, they've got Geno Smith. Yeah. And this is another one where I didn't tweet this out, but I, I'm curious to get the reaction. You guys can text in 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Same question I had about Julio. Julio was ranked 16 on the top 100, and I retweeted that, asking too high, too low, just right. Same question for Gino. Number 13 in the top 32 quarterbacks in the league. They've got him at 13. Too high, too low? Just about right. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question because, I mean, if you're a Miami Dolphin fan, you're like, he's ahead of Tua. You yeah. have Geno Smith ahead of Tua, but I would say, look, I, I don't, I've made a huge deal about quarterback play, about accuracy. Yeah. To me, the completion percentage is very telling. Um, the other thing is interceptions, and those are two things that, you know, you obviously you can't always control your accuracy, but if you're accurate, you're accurate, and he is. And also it's about decision-making. So, yeah, I'm okay with that. The one thing I thought was kind of funny is that at number 11, mm-hmm. Jared Goff. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I didn't take note of that one. Two slots ahead of, of where he where uh, Gino is. But, no, I mean, I think also aren't they taking into account, like, you know, their youth and how long they can be good for and – um, maybe the one that st- stood out to me was Lamar Jackson at number six. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, is he still is he still that guy? I'm not sure. But I thought it was uh, 
it was pretty pretty well done. Um, Jalen Hurts was the number three. I thought, now you might say, oh, he should be one, but one is Mahomes and two is Burrow. So Jalen Hurts in there at number three. He's part of the MVP conversation, and yeah. I was looking through there. Like, generally, when we see these lists from, you know, if it's ESPN, they'll give a big, here's what went into our evaluation. Right. This one didn't really have that. Mm. They, they talked about, you know, guys that, you know, Matt Ryan struggled with the Colts. He was benched. And, you know, Russell Wilson was a, had a disastrous year. And Deshaun Watson failed to meet expectations. So they kind of explained about these individuals. But it just says, here's our ranking of the top 32 quarterbacks in the league ahead of free agency in March. So... And they, and they pointed out for the first time in more than two decades, the recently retired Tom Brady is not included. Ah, wow. <laughs> for two decades. Two but, decades. So, the yeah, so there were things of note. Obviously, jokingly, Jameis Winston was last. Uh, Geno's at 13. Jared Goff's at 11, two slots ahead of him. But I, I the what stood out to me where I thought people would have issue with this is who else is ahead of Geno Smith. Obviously, you expect Burrow and Mahomes and those guys. Sure. but. They've got Daniel Jones of the New York Giants ahead of him at 12. Goff at 11. Kirk Cousins at number 10. Number 9, Dak Prescott. Number 8, Trevor Lawrence is at number 8. They've got Aaron Rodgers, the groundhog, at number 7. Lamar Jackson, as you said, 6. Justin Herbert, 5. Josh Allen, 4. Jalen Hurts and uh, Burrow and Mahomes. Yeah, Jalen Hurts in front of Josh Allen. I I think it's warranted. And, you know, I think that's that's awesome for – for Philadelphia, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, some of the Daniel Lawrence at eight, he had a nice year. Do you think he should be higher? I thought he might be a little lower. I mean, it's he had a good year. He did. He threw for forty one hundred yards, twenty five touchdowns, eight picks, led the Jags to the AFC South title, uh, seven and two record down the street. They give an explanation as to why these guys are where they are. But yeah, well, and I'm I'm looking also another one, and that's why I was saying I think they're looking at you know youth and the guy's future. Daniel Jones, he had uh, thirty two hundred yards, so that's like what a thousand less than Gino. Mm-hmm. Well, Gino had forty two eighty two, and he only had 15 touchdowns. Gino had 30. Yeah, and then he only had five interceptions. So I mean, that's but it's not like he's a. He also the, ran for seven uh, over 700 yards. Yeah, so exactly. So I mean, I, I guess that that's part of it. But, and seven touchdowns running. Yeah, Daniel Jones to me, I mean, those could be quarterback sneaks, you know. Yeah, but uh, I'm not sure what they are. But I don't know. I, he doesn't. He doesn't blow my skirt up, Bob. <laughs> Daniel Jones doesn't. But I, I thought it, it was fairly well ranked. Um, but you could make the argument that hey, he went to the to the Pro Bowl. So did Daniel Jones go to the Pro Bowl? I mean, I guess, you know, who was the, the quarterback from Baltimore that went to the Pro Bowl that was like a second stringer? Oh, Huntley. Yeah. Yeah. Huntley. yeah, yeah. So I don't who know had more it, interceptions. Than, what, two, two touchdowns, three picks. I think yeah. Was, maybe that kills my uh, <laughs> yeah. my whole argument here. But but, yeah, no, I thought I thought it was OK. I mean, maybe maybe. Uh, Gino looks at this and says, "Gets pissed, and he's he, like he got screwed." Or yeah, something. it's it's it, it achieves its its purpose, right? It creates debate, discussion. Yeah. I saw it; I thought it was interesting, and and you know, again, you can. I think Gino. I thought he'd be a little higher. I thought some of these other guys would be behind him, but all right. You know, I I got to give props to my guy, Jared Goff. He threw for more yards than than Gino, forty four hundred yards, twenty nine touchdowns. Gino had thirty, only seven picks. 
that's a that's a yeah. good year, man. That's he had a impressive. really good year. <laughs> that is a very impressive. You know, he just needed somebody to dumb it down for him, and I thought <laughs> Dan Campbell did a good job of that. He said, "Just go, Jared. Up. Throw it to the guy in the same uniform you're wearing." Yeah, he yeah. said, "Go bite that guy's kneecaps off." Yeah. That's all you need to do. <laughs> Look for the guy in the silver helmet that's got a lion on it. <laughs> that's who you want to throw the ball to. I, I honestly, I mean, we all love Dan Campbell after yeah. after that, but I, I really, I love seeing Jared Goff have success. Well, even, I, I enjoy having him on my all-time favorite teams. So even though, is, yeah, that's right, you're a big Lions fan. <laughs> even though he doesn't know which side of the earth the uh, sun rises. <laughs> you're softening on golf. Yeah, I love it. it. All right, coming up, well, you know you're looking forward to this as much as we are. Seahawks GM John Schneider will join us next year as we continue live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.